0: Hey guys, it's Bobby Marks, SBC's lead instructor. This episode is brought to you by the Sports Business Classroom Business of Basketball Immersive Experience in Las Vegas. Taking place July 14th through the 20th during the Las Vegas Summer League, the Business of Basketball program is an immersive training and educational experience for the basketball leaders of the future. If you dream of working in basketball and want to take your basketball experience, knowledge, and network to the next level, this program was designed for you. Majors include the League salary cap, scouting video and analytics, and media broadcast. This is an amazing opportunity to invest in your future and the chance for you to prove that you have what it takes to work in business of basketball. Listeners can take advantage of early bird pricing at sportsbusinessclassroom.com. That's sportsbusinessclassroom.com. Please know that space is limited and this program will sell out. So if you're interested in taking your basketball career to the next level, Head on over to sportsbusinessclassroom.com today.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the No Trade Clause podcast. My name is Anil, I'll be your host today. I'm joined here by Alicia Fick, uh, our, our other partner here at No Trade Clause. And we got the pleasure uh, today of having back for the second time former general manager uh, Ryan McDonough. Ryan, thanks for joining us today.
2: Anil Ali, great to be with you guys. Great to be here in person doing this in Vegas and great to see your faces without masks on. It feels like the NBA <laughs> Summer League is finally back.
1: Yeah, we love it. We love it. Uh, Ryan, let's just jump right into it. First question for you. Um, what's GM's job or role here at Summer League um, during this time of year? What's typically on their to-do list? Uh, what does a typical day look like? What type of decisions are they Are they trying to make at this time of year
2: as usual as an executive anil you're trying to keep a bunch of balls in the air without letting any of them hit the ground you obviously have summer league going on and your team here on the floor but if you're a top executive a president or general manager that's probably not your main focus at this point your main focus is making sure your nba roster is ready for training camp next year uh it's a normal off season for the first time and it seems like forever but still training camp's only a few months away And so, you want to finalize your roster in terms of player signings, are there minimum contracts you still need to sign, do you have exception space or uh, traded player exceptions to use, and are you big game hunting? Do you have the ability to get in the mix on Kevin Durant with Brooklyn, on, with, with, Donovan Mitchell with Utah do you have a package that would satisfy those teams uh, are you interested in getting one of those guys and that's something that uh, I don't know if it'll get done here gentlemen but could take all summer that's why in the NBA front office there really is no offseason
3: yeah, absolutely basketball never sleeps um, so talk to us from our front office perspective what happens when a player like Kevin Durant who we know has four years under contract you know makes a trade request you know as a GM what are your options and how do you navigate a situation like that
2: One of the things that's so fascinating about KD's trade request, and I made this point a couple weeks ago when I was doing NBA TV Mm -hmm. down in Atlanta, is that he requested a trade before the extension he signed last offseason kicked in. So he signed it last August. We were doing NBA TV shows in late June. The extension technically, although it was already signed, doesn't start until July 1. So he requested a trade before it started. So that's something that if you listen to Adam Silver's comments at the Board of Governors yesterday, with a new collective bargaining agreement negotiation seemingly starting to get underway between the league and the Players Association. Obviously, business is great. We've seen packed houses here at Summer League. We've seen the contracts that players have signed. We've seen revenue coming into the system at all-time records. But uh, the the NBA and the owners in particular don't like it when a player has a contract with multiple years left on its deal, uh, especially a contract that's recently been signed and he requests a trade. So I don't know the solution to it, the perfect fix. My idea, which I've thrown up before, is if a player signs a max contract he's not eligible to be traded until the last two years of his deal until there are two years left in the deal that mm. uh, but that would have to be collectively bargained I think that's something that the players association would push back against but absolutely. I think that would be the way just to take it off the table that way if the player wants to get traded or if the team wants to trade him really it's irrelevant until there are two years left on his deal
3: absolutely and if we see something like that there might be a concession that need, needs to be made on the player side. Um, so landing spots, uh, we touched on KD for a little bit, but you know we've reached kind of an impasse on where talks are going and negotiations are going where, where it come, when it comes to KD and potential landing spots. But how, what, what, what what's the type of read that you're getting on the situation? And, and where do you see potential landing spots as the market has kind of, you know, maybe not squeezed a little bit, but we've reached an impasse for sure.
2: Yeah, I think I'm in the minority that I felt all along Kevin Durant's gonna remain in Brooklyn yeah. as a net. I felt that the whole time because as a front office, as a former executive, when you have a player of that caliber and a team of that caliber, potentially, right? It's all on paper at this point. We'll see where Ben Simmons is mentally and physically. We'll see what version of Kyrie Irving Brooklyn gets after opting in for the one year on, on a player option. Uh, but if you look at the moves they've made this off season, bringing in Royce O'Neill, re-signing Patty Mills, signing TJ Warren, this is a team that could contend for a championship. So uh, I think if you're in the front office, you set a very high bar, an extremely high bar, in fact, maybe an impossibly high bar, and say, if we get this kind of package, we will consider trading Kevin Durant. In reality, nobody can probably deliver that level of package, especially as we sit here in Las Vegas in the second week of July in free agency. Uh, I know you guys know the cap and CBA as well as anybody. For those who don't know, players who signed this offseason aren't eligible to be traded for the most part until December 15th or January 15th, depending on the contract. Uh, so that takes a significant part of the market out of play from a trade perspective. And then just from a value perspective, if you have one of the all-time great players and scorers in the history of our league, he's got four guaranteed contract years left. What is the price? It would be an unprecedented price in, 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 as far as what Brooklyn would ask for. And frankly, whatever Brooklyn had in mind initially, I think the price went up when Utah got what they got for Rudy Gobert.
3: Absolutely. And you touched on Donovan Mitchell. We recently received news that, you know, the Utah Jazz are willing to uh, listen to offers when it comes to Donovan Mitchell. How are you reading that market for DM and and where do you see potential landing spots?
2: Yeah, So so I spoke earlier about it being a juggling act in the front office. What Utah's front office, led by Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck, what they're trying to do now is rebuild the team seemingly on the fly, and we'll see what happens with Donovan, but also keeping Donovan happy, right? Because it's one thing to say we got at least draft picks and young players and assets for the future. And Donovan Mitchell says, wait a minute, I've been here for a while now. We've been in the playoffs six years in a row. We've advanced multiple times to the conference semifinals in the West. We've been one of the best teams in the league. Uh, I don't care about draft picks in 2027 or 2028. I want to win now. I'm in my prime. I want to win now. So that's the juggling act that Utah has in their front office. Uh, I think they probably had more turnover this offseason than any franchise in the league, starting uh, with Danny Ainge coming in midseason. Then on the coaching side, Quinn Snyder did an excellent job for a number of years. Is out. Will Hardy is in. Uh, So I I think that's something that um, Utah has at least opened the door a crack. And and that's the way I read it. I I think just um, everybody interprets these things a little bit differently. But as a former executive, it said Utah is not saying Absolutely not when teams call them and say, will you trade Donovan Mitchell? Uh, but I imagine what they are saying is the, b- the bar is sky high, and if you blow us away, we don't want to, to trade Donovan Mitchell. We've made some moves to gain more flexibility, get young players, get draft picks, and then be able to reset our team on the fly. However, the door's open just a crack if you want to blow us away with an offer for Donovan in his prime.
3: Absolutely. I think they're obligated to do their due diligence. Yeah.
1: So, Ryan, as, as we are having discussions about where players are going to go, if they're going to be traded, Uh, We wanted to talk a little bit about DeAndre Ayton, a player that you're very familiar with, a player that you drafted uh, number one overall. Um, I find his situation a little bit interesting here because the first two weeks of free agency, we didn't hear too much about DeAndre Ayton. Now it's coming out that Indiana may offer, um, may either do a sign-and-trade or extend him an offer sheet. What's your read and take on this situation? And um, why do you think that, It doesn't look like Phoenix is going to retain him and where do you think he ultimately lands?
2: A lot of good questions, and there are a lot of layers to it. As you know, uh, when you were helping me with NBA TV, we are looking at all the different angles of it for, um, you know, the the, the difficulties of base year compensations uh, as far as a sign and trade, the Brooklyn Nets uh, be, being hard-capped as far as receiving a player in sign and trade. Um, so th- there are a number of factors with DeAndre Ayton going to Brooklyn, and then they've also made other roster moves, like re-signing Nick Claxton as well as the other moves we mentioned previously. Um, so I don't think there's a direct fit, uh, and that's where it gets more complicated, potentially. If Kevin Durant is theoretically on the market. It seems like he is. But uh, is there a third team that DeAndre Ayton could go to, the Suns get assets that are either, you know, come to them and then re, uh, traded to Brooklyn or just as part of a three-team deal, just go directly to Brooklyn? Uh, I think those scenarios are there. But uh, to your point, Anil, it's the second week of free agency. Um, you know, money has dried up around the league outside of Indiana, and then San Antonio has some as well, but it doesn't seem like they're trying to use it to necessarily upgrade the team in the short term. And the Victor Wembanyama week says. Uh, so it, I think... For Indiana, yeah, they are um, you know, probably the leader as far as interest. Uh, they still do have Miles Turner, who has one year left in his deal, so I think they need to figure out uh, what to do with him. You wouldn't want to bring in Aiden and then move Turner to a backup role, especially approaching free agency. So there are a lot of layers to it, um, and then we, if you're in the Suns front office, you really want this thing just to kind of continue to drag on, to slow down, uh, to to hang in there with Kevin Durant, to maybe you know see what Brooklyn wants. Maybe Brooklyn's asking price comes down a little bit. Uh, however, but that's not what's in the best interest of DeAndre Ayton and his representatives. They want they want a deal today. One other thing to keep in mind that I know I know you guys know, but for your viewers and listeners, since he was the number one pick, his. Um, Qualifying offer is extremely high, it's $16.4 million, I believe. So usually, from an executive standpoint, a player who is you know approaching or is a restricted free agent saying I'm going to sign the qualifying offer usually it's a bit of an empty threat because they're leaving so much money on the table. This case, the difference between uh, you know 16.4 million and Aiton's max right around 30, um, yeah, it's significant in one year. But as you guys know, there's there are a lot more teams with cap space next year. He's going to be 24 years old next year. If he's unrestricted and has a good year, even a decent year this year, uh, with all the teams with money in the marketplace, uh, you know I, I think he could be in, sitting pretty next year so that's something the Suns don't want but I think that is a real option for Aiton and his group if they don't get an offer they want either from Indiana from the Suns or somebody else by a sign of trade
3: absolutely he's he stayed healthy as well Um, so you know we talked about Aiton but you know let's transition into into uh Gobert and Minnesota you know talk to us about a team why Minnesota would make the move that they did and you know is there you know how, how did you feel about that trade and, you know, were there any, you know, pros and cons to moving all your chips in to to, to move forward to make the move for Rudy?
2: Yeah, I think it's a very aggressive and yeah. somewhat risky move by the Timberwolves. Yeah. They took a big step last year. You guys know the history of the franchise over yeah. the last few decades. They haven't had a whole lot of success in a very <clears throat> difficult Western Conference. Um, and so with an opportunity, after you know, beating the Clippers in the play-in, pushing Memphis in the first round of the playoffs, they wanted to upgrade their team. Uh, obviously not considered to be necessarily a destination market is somewhere where free agents choose. Uh, but they have a talented team, led, led by Anthony Edwards, who I think is going to be a superstar in the backcourt Carl Anthony Towns, one of the most talented, maybe the most talented offensive big man in the league with a shooting ability, pick and pop. Uh, So I I think from their perspective, it was the best player they can get is Rudy Gobert. Uh, You you know, it's probably not a perfect fit. Um, But their thought process, the more I've thought about and talked to people about it, was um, they'll always have an elite big man on the court for 48 minutes. They're different, obviously, Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. Uh, Those guys will play together, I I imagine, to start and end the games with Towns at the four. And then I think the bet they're making, the more I thought about it, is will struggle to guard some, some stretch fours, uh, some, some good driving f- uh, fours on the perimeter. I think that's just going to happen. But he has the best rim protector in the league, the yeah. insurance ball. So, so if he gets beat off the dribble, there's no better guy to have at the rim, blocking shots, doing verticality, rebounding, than Rudy Gobert. So I think that was Minnesota's thought process in the bet, which is it's a big gamble. Their bet is the four first-round picks they gave up will be in the 20s because they'll be one of the best 10 teams in the league for the next five years.
1: So, Ryan, we've seen a a bunch of off-season moves uh, on both the East and the West. We wanted to get your take. Um, Which teams... Do you think are most positioned to be favorites next season in both the East and the West? Some of, some of the major moves, um, just, just to bring it back to the forefront, we saw DeJounte Murray go to Atlanta. We saw Jalen Brunson uh, go, sign with the Knicks. We saw Rudy Gobert obviously move to Minnesota. We saw Christian Wood sign with Dallas. We saw James Harden restructure his contract with Philadelphia. Any of these moves or any of the other moves that maybe I didn't mention um, come to mind when thinking about who's going to be the favorites in, in both conferences?
2: Yeah, for me, it's one team you didn't mention. I think it's quietly flown under the radar and really made a lot of nice transactions, the L.A. Clippers. Mm -hmm. I think bringing back Kawhi Leonard, bringing back Paul George, healthy, healthy. bringing in John Wall, they made the trade-in season for Norman Powell and Robert Covington. That group is loaded. If you look at the talent on the roster, obviously, as we know, we were sitting here this time last year and uh, the preseason Vegas favorites were the Brooklyn Nets and the LA Lakers. Neither <laughs> one of those worked out that well, so it's got to work together on the court. But I think one of the things that people forget, because he's missed a lot of time recently, is just how good Kawhi Leonard is yeah. when he's healthy. They've done an excellent job. Lawrence Frank and his staff have surrounded him with talent and depth. Uh, they have a, you know, maybe the best young coach in the league and Tyron Lou, that's a really good team. So I like them in the West. And then in the East, uh, I think the Celtics. I mean, what they did this year loading up, Danilo Gallinari coming in, Malcolm Brogdon, oh, yeah. I thought was a perfect fit. This is a team that was up 2-1 in the NBA Finals. They were leading Game 4 at home with five minutes left. Uh, game 4 didn't go well, and then the series got away from them. The Warriors, are, uh, obviously the, the dynasty at this point with four championships in eight years, uh, You know, w- won the series in six, but... Boston with a young team was right there, and so for me, adding to the core of your team without really giving up anything, they didn't really touch uh, the core of that team. One of the things that surprised me a little bit in the finals was I thought Boston would win the series because I thought they'd have a bench advantage in the finals. I thought Golden State's bench, uh, led by Gary Payton II, is obviously now with Portland, and Jordan Poole outplayed the Celtics bench, especially in game six, but really throughout the series So bringing in Brogdon bringing in Gallinari you look at the Celtics eight or nine man rotation it, It's pretty deep and good, especially defensively. There aren't many holes And now I think they have the ability to overcome injuries foul trouble uh, They have more ball handling with Brogdon. They have more shooting with Gallinari. I think Boston's a favorite in the East Absolutely
3: um- Let's touch on Colin Sexton, we haven't touched, we haven't seen much of a market up until now, you know, but it's starting to be rumored that Miami and Utah might be interested in a signing trade for him. Um, what do you think of those fits? And then why hasn't there much of it, much of been a market for him? I mean, this is a guy who two years ago was averaging 24 on 60% true shooting.
2: The injury, to, yeah, to simplify the injury. it, the injury. Absolutely. It's it's one of the things that's um, you know I've been affiliated with the NBA for almost two decades now. It's so consistent, and I think it's human nature. Even if you see a guy working out, everybody around him, his agent, his trainer, the do- team doctors tell you, yeah, yeah, he looks good, he's yeah. healthy. Yeah. Until you see him out there on the hardwood, going up and down 94 feet, especially with some contact, even just a little bit of contact. How does he move? How does he slide? is he confident in planting and, and jumping and turning directions? When, when, he, when he takes a charge or goes up for a block, is he confident in that? You know, has he cleared the mental aspect of it as well? And that's why it's so difficult uh, for Colin Sexton. I see Miles uh, Bridges' situation is a little bit different. But with Colin, the market has moved. There's not much cap space left. And he may be a guy. I know he, he and his representatives don't want to hear this. Better signing the qualifying offer and just playing the year out next year um, because, you know, as we discussed, there are more teams projected to have cap space. He's a talented young. Player player, uh, but coming off an injury, especially a significant injury, your market is depressed. And so with all those factors, the more time that goes by and the less money is available in the marketplace, it may be in his best interest uh, just to sign the one you're qualifying offer. Because if you're a team thinking about acquiring Colin, if you're Utah, or Miami, or whoever, you're saying, well, who are we bidding against at this point? And what is, what, would we give up a ton of value, keeping in mind he is a restricted free agent, so you probably have to not only pay him a decent amount, but in a sign and trade, give something up. Is that worth it for Colin Sexton with the injury factored in? Uh, I think that's why the market's a little bit stagnant for him. And that's why I think, as we sit here the second week in July, the, the guys we're talking about in free agents are restricted DeAndre Ayton, Colin Sexton, and then Miles Bridges, who has obviously a whole other list of factors as well.
1: Yeah, Ron, I think you bring up a great and very interesting point about potentially playing under the qualifying offer, especially after a season where you, you were injured, you didn't get to display all your talents and skills, restore some of that value, and then get, get a new contract. A player that I wanted to ask you a question about is a player that never has to restore his value. Uh, it's a player that we haven't heard too much about in the in the last few weeks, but I think that the media attention is going to shift a little bit. Next month, LeBron James becomes extension eligible. He can sign uh, for two additional seasons. Do you think, like, he's going into into the final year of his contract with the Lakers. Do you expect him to sign an extension? Do you think he just plays the season out?
2: Very interesting question. And I had to think about that because I don't know the answer to it. Uh, I'm guessing, it, the more I think about it, the way LeBron James has operated throughout the course of his career, I wouldn't be surprised if he waited and tried to, to use that leverage and that pressure uh, on Rob Palenka and and Lakers for Jeannie Bus, and Lakers front office to bring in Kyrie. If he waited and said, okay, you know, if you guys bring in Kyrie, uh, I get the pen and I'm ready to go. Um, so that's an interesting balance. I mean, the Lakers obviously had a lot of restrictions this off season with the payroll being sky high their top three guys as we know uh, Russell Westbrook LeBron James Anthony Davis in terms of uh, you know their salary and the place in the roster um, you know we looked at it in you know, the free agency they, they really didn't have many tradable contracts I mean Taylor Horton yep. Tucker's values down Kendrick Nunn another guy who played zero games last year uh, you, you, it's almost impossible to trade a player like that other than a salary filler in a deal. So I bring that up because the Lakers uh, you know, made some smaller moves. I like what they've done as far as going younger. Uh, we'll see how Lonnie Walker and Troy Brown Jr. and some of these guys work out, but at least uh, they have guys with some theoretical upside and the potential to get better. Um, last year, I, I thought you know, bringing in all those veteran guys, you need role players, you need guys to set screens and defend and rebound and do to the dirty work. Uh, those f- future Hall of Famers in the mid-30s weren't able to do that, so uh, I think they did some of the right things, given their very limited resources, but specifically 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 to LeBron. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he says, you know, I'm open to it, but I want to see how the rest of the offseason goes before I make my decision.
1: I think that's a great point. It's all about leverage. And who knows, maybe if we see a Kyrie Irving land in uh, in L.A., maybe it's followed by LeBron signing an extension. Um, We'll get you out uh, on this last question here. We want to ask you about the CBA. So obviously um, the CBA can be terminated uh, if either side opts out this season, um, otherwise it'll it'll expire after the following season. What are some of the major factors or discussion points that you think um, will center around this this new CBA either either from the owner's side or and the team side or on the player side? What are the important discussion points?
2: So from my perspective, I'd be shocked if either side opts out, prematurely just cuz business is going so well mm. i mean you look at the the money the players are making I think a lot of the thought process behind trying to play in Orlando in 2020 and get to the bubble was to keep the business going, keep it flowing. Obviously, it took a hit, as every business in the country and the world did, really, during COVID. Uh, but they did a nice job stabilizing. And then the league's been an up- upward trajectory since then. The TV ratings are back. Uh, money is flowing in. All- revenues are an all-time high. So I think everybody wants to keep a good thing going. Uh, from my experience, yeah, usually, if you put all the issues uh, up on the screen together, money is the overwhelming one, like the split of, of the pie, that you know, the 50-50, 51-49 50, 50, uh, split. Uh, however, I think some of the issues beyond that, which, which are topical, uh, are, uh, you know, players demanding trades early in their contract, shortly after signing an extension. I think what Ben Simmons did last year, um, you know, whether the issues physically, mentally were legit or embellished or a little bit of both, I think that's certainly a discussion point that the league wants – Obviously, the focus to be on the players, the teams and games, not this, you know, you know, sideshow circus with um, if you come back to last offseason. Most of the talk was about Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving getting vaccinated and, and all the, you know, you know, would he be able to play in Brooklyn? Uh, they wanted to be on basketball and basketball teams and players. So I think trying to figure out those issues, uh, especially as the next CBA from everything I'm hearing, the media rights deals will go up again, which means given the split player contract values will go up again. So, yeah, I think over the next five years, guys, you'll see. Individual player salaries in one year start to approach 100 million dollars, wow. which is insane. Uh, so, if that is the case, um, you know how do owners and front offices have some semblance of control? Uh, because obviously, what 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 nobody on the league or team side wants, other than the players, is for a guy to sign a deal, uh, you, you know, worth 75 million a year, and then right after he signs it or shortly after, said "Now I want to be traded." That's that's not good for business, and that's something the league I think will fight for in the new CBA.
1: Awesome. Ryan, thanks again uh, for taking the time out. We appreciate it, as always. Uh, it's always a pleasure to, to hear your perspective based on your experiences and, and your relationships. It's always great insight. Um, so thank you for taking the time out. Hope you enjoy the rest of Summer League. And for everyone tuning in, thank you guys for joining us for another episode of the No Trade Clause podcast. Hey guys,
0: it's Bobby Marks, SBC's lead instructor. This episode is brought to you by the Sports Business Classroom Business of Basketball Immersive Experience in Las Vegas. Taking place July 14th through the 20th during the Las Vegas Summer League, the Business of Basketball program is an immersive training and educational experience for the basketball leaders of the future. If you dream of working in basketball and want to take your basketball experience, knowledge, and network to the next level, this program was designed for you. Majors include the league salary cap, scouting video and analytics, and media broadcast. This is an amazing opportunity to invest in your future and the chance for you to prove that you have what it takes to work in business of basketball. Listeners can take advantage of early bird pricing at sportsbusinessclassroom.com. That's sportsbusinessclassroom.com. Please note that space is limited and this program will sell out. So if you're interested in taking your basketball career to the next level, Head on over to sportsbusinessclassroom.com today.